นโมตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังขังนมัสสะมิอิโตปรังสกะจังธรรมโอสุตโพตี I'd like to ask for permission from Tan Jokun Mahasamai to to speak on the Dharma. Tan Jokun is someone I respect very much, so I ask his permission here to give a give a talk on the Dharma. I'd like to welcome you all here, who have. All of you that have come here to to practice the Dharma, now is now is a good time for us all to try to make our minds calm and listen to a Dharma talk and to listen to the Dharma. What you need to do while you're listening to the Dharma is to keep your mindfulness in the present moment at all times. You can do this by simply watching the breath going in and out while you're listening to the Dharma talk. Sometimes. Sometimes your mind will become very, very calm while you're listening to the talk, and you won't necessarily hear the exact words that are being said. You don't, you don't, maybe you don't understand the meaning, but the mind is very, very calm. Um, and so this is important just to stay with this calm. The the information will go in, so don't worry about trying to remember exactly the words that are said. Because to develop this calm in in the mind, one has to has one has to have morality. This morality will be the cause for samadhi to arise. Because when we keep the five precepts, we we become happy and and contented, and we have no worries in our lives. And so when we have this foundation of these good wholesome qualities within the mind, and when they are when they are you could say when they've been developed to a perfect level. To make the mind calm and concentrated, this this becomes very very easy. And when the mind is is firm and concentrated, the different feelings and emotions and and thoughts that we have, and what we call the five hindrances, they won't be able to enter and impinge the mind and to make it agitated. All these these different these different kinds of negative emotions that we have and the and the five hindrances, things like Things like anger, thoughts, uh, thoughts of thoughts of liking, disliking, doubt, proliferation—all all these different kinds of negative negative emotions that are in the mind—they'll they'll pass away quite easily. What happens when the mind starts to become concentrated? It goes through a process called vitaka and vijara, which is Apply concentration and sustain concentration on an, on a specific sorry so applied thought and concentrated thought on a specific object, but this thought this is not this is not the thought of thinking thinking of different 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 things within the mind. This is this is keeping the mind on the on the breath. What it what this this vitaka and vichara what it does it knows the breath just as it goes in and as it goes out. It doesn't. Think up anything about the breath. It just knows it going in, out. Whether the breath's long or short, it simply just knows this. When 
mindfulness is continuous on the breath. What will arise in time is what's called bhiti, or you can translate that as rapture or as inner contentment. There's many, many different kinds of experiences one has when one when bhiti arises. One can have things happen like tears of joy arising or the feeling of the body expanding, becoming very, very light, floating up. Or like like uh, waves of joy and waves of happiness breaking, breaking in within the heart. There's many, many different experiences. Each individual will have a different kind of experience. So when one does bring the mind to this level of piti, this brings about this inner, inner contentment and from that, Arises, arises what we call sukha or happiness. When the mind has this happiness, it feels fulfilled and feels like there's no more need to, to, to go after anything else in the world. And the more it has this inner happiness, it, it eventually, eventually becomes, the mind eventually becomes one with what we call ekagata, which means singular. This happiness, this happiness that we that we receive from from this from the mind being in ekagata or one one pointed, this is this is a happiness that that we've never experienced, and this is a happiness beyond anything that we could possibly think of within the world. So all these different factors of vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, and ekagata, these these are these are the factors of samadhi, and really what what they are all leading to is the mind becoming one becoming one-pointed and still and calm. But after a, after a period of time when the mind is in that state of calm, it will eventually, will eventually come out and it'll start, the mind will start to think again and start to move. And when it does start to move, this is the point where you should use the thinking mind to, to investigate the Dharma, particularly investigate the, the factors of impermanence, suffering and not self. Because once you have that power in the mind, you will be able to, the, that power in the mind from calm and concentration, you'll be able to see that everything, everything, all phenomena in the world, both inside and out, is, it's, it's all subject to these, these three laws of impermanent suffering and not self. You'll be able to understand that this, this being that we take to be ourselves, this mind and this body, it's, it's something that's impermanent, it's something that will never last and it's something that doesn't, doesn't belong to us. This body that we hold so dear will understand that it's just made up, it's simply made up of elements, it's made up of, of energy. These, these elements are just gathering together for a period of time and they stay and they change and eventually they break away and pass away. This is happening. This is happening with every breath, every breath that goes in and every breath that goes out. This this process of change is happening at all at all times, because form and what we take as the body, this is something that's impermanent. And the more our mind becomes very very calm, the easier it will be will be for us to see this state of constant change. And being able to see this state of constant change, this is what we call vipassana or insight. Insight is clear knowing into the truth of impermanence and suffering and not self. So to be able to, to, be able to see this, to be able to experience vipassana, the true vipassana, one should always be trying to make the mind calm and then be investigating impermanence and suffering and not self at all times. Because all of us want to develop wisdom, especially wisdom within the Dharma. 
So if you, if you want to develop this wisdom within the Dharma, what you need to do is learn how to make your mind calm and then after you've made your mind calm, then move on and start to investigate the body. You're, and once, you start, once you're able to do this, you'll start to realise more and more and at a deeper and deeper level that this body, that this body is, not, is not ourselves. You, can, you take a look at it and you see all the things that are inside it and you have a look and you think, well, what, what's in there is, you know, there's all these different aspects of the body. Um, and when the mind becomes even more powerful, it's able to see the body, bodies of other people and, and realise the same thing, that these, uh, this, this phenomena is not self. You just see the body as merely elements and all phenomena, both inside and outside, as merely elements. You understand that there's, there's no inherent core or no inherent self to these things. These things are just, this thing is just a body and the phenomena outside is just phenomena. It's, it's, a, it's a form of what we call rupa or form. When one does start to see this, this is when one starts to gain insight into the Dharma and a deeper understanding of the Dharma. Because you don't see, you don't see the Dharma anywhere else and you don't see the Dharma at any other, any other time. You see the, the Dharma right here, right in the present moment, within the heart. But the reason we don't clearly know it and understand it at this present point in time is because, is because we have avijja, dhanha and upatana, which is fundamental ignorance, craving and clinging. This is always covering over our mind and covering this truth from us. So we all, we all have this, these defiling emotions within the mind. So what you need to do is to just practice the way I've said, develop calm in the mind and to try to develop wisdom. This life that we have, we're very fortunate to be, to be born as human beings and have the facilities to be able to practice the Dhamma. So this life, you should, you should make the determination just to, to follow the Dharma and follow the teachings of the Buddha. Because even though the Buddha, who was born in the world 2500, over 2,500 years ago in India, uh, the physical form that was the Buddha has passed away, if we, practice, if we practice along these lines, we'll eventually see the Dharma. And when we see the Dharma, we see the Buddha. Uh, this is this is this is written in the books. Is the, the Buddha even says this? Whoever sees, whoever sees the Dhamma sees the Tathagata, and so you will be able to understand this deeply and know this for sure. This is not just something, not a saying that you read out of a book. You will be able to understand this clearly within your own heart. So the foundation for seeing for seeing this truth, seeing the Dhamma, is is to develop uh, at the very very very, very basic, very fundamental level is to develop what we call dana or charitable giving. The reason we try to develop this because this helps us give up our own sense of self-importance and our own sense of worrying about, you know, me and mine and my own possessions and my own cares and my own worries. The more we give up, the freer the mind starts to become and the lighter the mind starts to become. All the things we accumulate within the world, all the material possessions, all the things around us, if we learn how to give them up, give them up now, when they do eventually go, say for example you have wealth and one day that wealth will be gone or you have a family, one day that family will eventually be gone. If you learn how, if you learn how to give up the smaller things in your life, when the bigger things in your life eventually pass away, you'll be able to deal with them a lot, a lot easier.
So the more you give up, the more you give up the material possessions and the the outer wealth that you have that you've accumulated in the world, the greater your source of inner wealth will become. And when you do this, this is this is developing very very wholesome qualities within the mind, a sense of freedom, a sense of a sense of spaciousness within the mind, and this is this is a great form of merit for you. It helps other people, but it also it also helps you a lot, giving up this sense of self. And also, you don't have to just give up uh, material possessions. You can you know you can do things like giving up your time, giving up um, helping out other people um, in in any, in any way that you can. Or what what this really is doing is trying to get uh, give up your sense of selfish selfishness. You can give up your time and help out uh, uh, different organisations, or you can. The good thing to do is try to help out the Buddhist sasana by you know supporting a monastery or something like that. And once once you have learned how to do this, what one should be trying to do is keeping keeping the five moral precepts to try to keep those as perfect as one possibly can, because when as I said before, when one has that sense of uh, not worrying about one's conduct and feeling a sense of perfect conduct, it's a lot easier for the mind to become calm. And when the mind's calm, it's a lot easier for it to see the Dharma. And these precepts are also very important because all the time, at all points in time, our mind is always coming in contact with phenomena from the outside world. It's coming in through our our six senses, through our eyes, our ears, our nose, our tongue, our body and the mind. this is always happening at all times and what this is doing when this contact comes about, it's causing the mind to fall into liking and disliking and this, gives, this brings about uh, the, the three negative emotions of greed, hatred and delusion in the mind. So the stronger you can keep your five moral precepts, the less chance greed, hatred and delusion will have a chance to arise within the mind. So when we have this good solid foundation of, of keeping the five precepts very well, samadhi or calm and concentration, it, it is a lot easier to, for these factors to arise within the mind. But it's not like just because you have good morality, uh, concentration will come about very easy. For some people it's not easy, it is very hard to develop calm and to develop the mind to make it one and still. So don't don't feel discouraged at this point in time. Don't don't give up on the practice. What you need to do is just to develop to develop patience and keep trying to do, to develop calm within the mind. Sometimes when we sit down to do some meditation, the mind starts to think a lot, and we can't seem to control it at all. It just it, it wants to go of its own accord. Accord. So what you can do if you're sitting and this is not working, you can get up and you can try to walk meditation and just maybe to change the posture around a little bit, it helps the mind, uh, helps the mind, puts the mind in a little bit of a better mood, a better state. You can, and it just sort of frees the mind up a little bit more. You can do many different uh, techniques with, with walking meditation. One thing you can do, so you can just count the steps as you, you, you walk along. So if you just say you walk along 10 steps back, forward and 10 steps back, uh, turn around and come back again 10 steps, you can just keep counting the steps as you go. Or keeping the mind with some sort of meditation word like butto, just as you walk along with the steps. But the, the main thing is to keep, keep mindfulness with the process of walking or if if you know if if something like that isn't even working, one can 
once it, you can use the mind to investigate when you see all these different forms and all the different phenomena in the world, just using, using what's around you to investigate, to develop wisdom. And what, what, what this method is, is what we call wisdom developing samadhi, which is you know, using the thinking mind and to, develop, to develop calm. It's, it's another way to develop calm in the mind. The, the, obviously, the usual way is to just stay on one singular object like the breath and the mind becomes calm. But you can also use the thinking mind and think about a certain Dharma theme and eventually the mind will come to calm. Some people find this method a lot easier because they feel their mind is, is more prone to activity and to thinking and to, to investigating and contemplating things and they find it very hard just to keep their mind on one specific object. Um, but it's both both sides of these are, are both, sorry both methods are you know they're right in the in their way because they have the same result at the end. Ajahn Chah will give the the example that sorry would make the comparison that some people they're they're more experienced at farming rice and growing rice and other people are more experienced at growing fruit. But in the end, it's the same. You get the same thing. You get, you get the food at the end of it. So some people, they naturally think a lot more. So they, they do need to use this, this method of wisdom developing samadhi to, to help make their mind calm. So as I said, to do this, you, know, you keep it with one specific Dharma themes like thinking about impermanence. And if you can think about impermanence within the body, this is, this is probably the best way to do this because it keeps mindfulness within the framework of the body. You can, you can constantly ask yourself questions, you know, of like, you know, what's in this body? What's, you know, why is this, what's this body made up of? Um, just keep on, keeping on probing and investigating as to what's in the body. And you find if you do this and you keep it on this same subject, the mind will eventually become calm and drop into a, into a state of peace for, for a period of time. And it'll stay in that period of peace for a little while and then what happens is the mind once again comes out again. So what you do at that point in time is go back to investigate your investigation of the body and investigating the same things. And you'll find when you investigate that second time after the mind's calm, the mind will break through and have a deeper understanding than it did before when you were just thinking using your intellectual knowledge. So once again, if you use an, a, a specific meditation object like the breath to develop calm and then after you've attained calm to, do, to investigate, to develop wisdom, or if you use the thinking mind using wisdom to develop calm, both these ways are right. You shouldn't, you shouldn't go arguing about which method's better, which one's right, which one's wrong. These, these things, these, these arguments lead nowhere and they don't get you anywhere. Because in the end, the result is the same. Because all of us, we all have a lot of greed, hatred and delusion within our minds. So it's important for us to, to develop both these methods of, of calm and, and insight. If we find we're, we're getting overwhelmed with these negative emotions, what we, what we should try and, these negative emotions of greed, hatred and delusion, what we should try and do is, another method we can do to develop wisdom is to investigate um, our own death, our own mortality. You can think of things like seeing that, you know, 
my life the way it is and my life it, it isn't it's something that's not certain it, I'm not sure when it will end but the only certain thing that I have in my life is that death will eventually come so you can use both these methods to develop calm within the mind and to see the Dhamma so whatever method that you you, you choose to use whether it's uh, uh, samadhi developing wisdom or wisdom developing samadhi the most important thing is to keep your mindfulness continuous throughout the day and to keep to keep your mind with some sort of dharma theme all throughout the day we can do this while we're working and when we're going about our daily daily activities just trying to keep our mind with with our specific dharma theme that we've chosen when we have free time we can try to make our mind even calmer by focusing on our object more and more. But the most important thing is to always keep mindfulness through all our activities during the day, whether it doesn't matter what position the body's in, whether it's whether it's sitting, whether it's standing, it's walking or it's lying down. Always always keep your mindfulness in the present moment present moment. When you work and you're doing your job, have mindfulness at that at that point in time and because if you can develop this, this ability to keep your mindfulness continuous, when you actually sit down to do formal meditation, it will be easier for you to, for your mind to become calm and concentrated. Because if you just let the mind go all day and you let it wander onto this and all that, when you do come, when it does come time to sit down and actually do meditation, it will be a lot harder for you to, to rein the mind back in and to pull it back in. So if you can have mindfulness looking over the mind all day, this, this makes our formal meditation a lot easier. And what this also does is it enables us to see the movements of the mind throughout the day. It allows us to see when the mind gets pulled into either liking or disliking. If, if we can do this and keep our mindfulness there, this will help us to keep our mind centred and not let it be swayed by the, by the movements of the world. Because the more, the more we can do this and the more we can uh, stop our mind from being pulled into liking and disliking and to try to keep our mind in, in the centre and to keep it equanimous, this really is, is the true path of practice. This is what you're aiming for in the practice. Um, because the things that we develop and the things that uh, the skills and all these kinds of things that we develop in the world. These, these are important, these help, our, these help our lives to one level. But the most important thing that one can develop is, is learning the ability to be able to let go. Because when one has that ability to be, let go all forms of liking and disliking, the mind will start to become free and it will, it will attain a level of emptiness and what we call this level of emptiness, we call this uh, niramita sukha, which is which is happiness. This is a happiness not dependent on on outside causes. This is a happiness that arises purely from inside the heart, and this is the highest kind of happiness that that one can that one can develop. The more one is able to develop this 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 sense of inner happiness and inner contentment. In time, the more we practice the Dhamma and the, the more powerful our practice becomes and the stronger the mind becomes, we'll be able to see in, into all, all aspects of body and mind as, as simply as impermanent and suffering as not self. 
And when we do finally see into, the, into those truths deeply and to the most profound level, this is the point that we'll see the Dharma and we'll, we'll see the Buddha that, as I was saying before. When 2500, over 2,500 years ago, when the Buddha became enlightened, he, he, when he decided to give his first teaching, he, he gave it to what's called the Five Aesthetics. And the leader of, of the Five Aesthetics was, 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 a, was a man called Anyakonanda. When he, he saw the Buddha coming in the distance to give these teachings, and so at that time he, he saw the physical form of the Buddha, but at, in reality he didn't really see the Buddha at that point in time because he hadn't penetrated to the Dhamma. But then when the Buddha came and sat down and gave the teaching, and Anyakonanda realized the Dharma and he saw that all phenomena in the world are just subject to arising and passing and he saw this with full clarity and that this is the natural the natural way of things in the world to arise and, and cease. When he saw that when he saw that process and when he saw realized that uh, level of enlightenment within the mind, then he really saw the Buddha at that point in time because he because he saw what's called the Satcha Dharma or or the truth of all conditions. So even, even if we were born in the time of the Buddha and we were very close to the Buddha and we could see him and we sat very, very close to him, if we, if we hadn't realised the Dhamma, we still wouldn't have truly seen the Buddha at that time. But for us, all of us now, we, we're, we're, we've been born in a different time. We've been born many, many years later. Um, so the main thing the thing that we should try to do instead of thinking well what was the Buddha like and all these different kinds of things we should try to see the real Buddha we should try and see the Dharma within our hearts the way we do this is by developing all these wholesome qualities like charitable giving uh, keeping good morality practicing meditation and doing things like like helping out helping out uh, places that are suitable for meditation because the more we, we help out places like this it gives us. It also gives us a better opportunity to go to those places and to develop develop the Dharma within our mind. So, because these places these places are very important because it gives us the opportunity to go and to practice in a quiet place and to withdraw ourselves from from the hustle and bustle of the world. And the more we can do this, the more we benefit ourselves. There's many good places and, and, and now we're very lucky there's, there's a new monastery open called Bodhisattva Forest Monastery. It's a, it's a very beautiful place. It's, a very, it's you know, abundant in nature. It has caves, you know, waterfalls, nice rivers, very quiet, very, very secluded, very deep in the forest. So we can, we can use this place to develop the Dharma within our minds. So we should try to help and support places like this. Because the more we're in a place where it's, it's quieter and within nature, the, the easier it will be for us to see you know, the natural mind at that point in time. To see the Dharma and to eventually see the Buddha within our heart when we see this, the, the natural state of the mind. So all of us, you know, we all need to develop this goodness within our heart and, and practice meditation as much as we possibly can. And I'm sure that if each and every one of you uh, are all very, very determined to practice and that you all have, have solid faith within the Buddha's teachings and you, and you put in the effort, 
you will eventually see this Dharma that I'm speaking about and you will eventually see the true Buddha. You know, but if you just, if you just study a lot and you theorise about the Dharma, um, this, this, is, this is not really the true path of practice. But if you really practice these, these wholesome things that I've been talking about and put in the effort and to develop meditation, and this, this, is, this is what will be working on the mind. This is the most important kind of work that we can do is to work on the mind. So if all of us practice a lot and we're very determined in our practice, I'm sure each and every one of you will have the chance to see the Dharma. So I hope each and every one of you do see this Dharma that I've been speaking about tonight. Has anybody got any questions? We've we've just spent a week at Bodhisattva, which is very peaceful, as you say, very beautiful in nature, very supportive of Dhamma practice. It felt like some sort of a heaven. And then we came back to Sydney this afternoon and driving through the streets it sort of felt like we landed in hell. Does the Ajahn have any advice on, on how we can manage this transition back into what people call the real world but I'm not sure. So what, what you should do at, the, at this point in time, that now that you've come back, this, this actually gives you a good opportunity to see the changes within the mind and see how the mind is affected by, by outside conditions. Because as you said, you go to a place like Bodhisattva, it's very peaceful, it's in nature, um, and it's what we call Gayawiweg, which is like uh, the, the, body remo- uh, the physical body removed from anything distracting. And when we're in this kind of situation, it, it is a lot easier to develop calm in the mind and to bring our mind closer to closer to the Dharma. But as you said, you know, when you come back to the city, there's there's every there's all these distractions around, everything's busy, and this does have an impingement on the mind, and it, and it makes the mind, you know, busy and distracted as well. So. At, at the very base level, at least you can now start to see the benefit of, of a quiet place and a very calm place uh, to practice. And you know, see, the, see the difference how, how a, a busy place like a city, how that, how that actually affects the mind. Um, you'll, see, you'll be able to see this difference a lot more clearly. But you know, this, this doesn't mean that one should, one should run away from the city and you know, go and hide in the forest at all times. Uh, this, you know, this, is, this isn't the right way to do things either. It just gives you, for now, it just gives you, um, it, le- it lets you understand how the different things, uh, how the different places cause the mind to be in a different way. But the more you go and practice, the, the more you practice the Dhamma and the more you go back to those uh, calm and quiet places, you'll find every time that you come back to the city, it, it, it becomes a little bit easier. Your mindfulness is a little bit stronger. Your, your concentration is a little bit stronger and you're able to deal with it a lot better. When the mind, when the mind is really 
become, becomes very strong. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in a, a quiet place in the forest or in the middle of a busy city, the mind will be calm and, and have mindfulness at all times. Um, but, you know, this takes time to develop the mind to that level. It, you know, it's something you just have to patiently endure with, endure with you know, it, gradually it gets better over time. So, this, this, is, this is why you should use these places, like, you know, like bodhisattvas come about now. So, you should go there and you should practice meditation in, in any, any, any free time that you have. Make, make use of that place and to develop the calm in the mind so it is easier for you to come back and to deal with, you know, your everyday, the everyday life, what you call the, you know, the, the normal world, the real world or whatever. <clears throat> the more, the more you, you go to these places, the stronger your mindfulness will become, the stronger your samadhi will become and the stronger your wisdom will become as well and everything in your life becomes easy because you have these, these foundations of uh, three very good wholesome qualities within the mind. But, you know, just for now, your mind's not at that level so just patiently endure it. Okay. So the, the question was, um, at at the start of the talk, Ajahn Anand uh, uh, recommended that we all, you know, listen to the Dhamma and just keep our mind on the breath and, you know, not to really worry too much about what, what the specific words were he was saying. And so uh, the lady tried to do that. They tried to, you know, keep, keep their mind with the breath, but she found the mind just, you know, just naturally more went to the sound of his talk and listening listening to the talk and she, you know, felt the mind was like following, following the talk a lot easier but then she remembered that Jananan said to do it the other way and do it with the breath so she tried to pull it back to there and the mind ran off again and so she found it, she found it was a lot easier to, to keep her mind concentrated on, on the actual talk and, and the sound of the words and as, as the way the talk progressed. So, you know, is... is is it okay to do that while listening to a Dhamma talk or, you know, or should, do we have to keep our mind on the breath? Um, and Ajahnan answered that um, if, it is, if it is hard for us to keep our mind just on that one specific thing of the breath and we do find it easier to keep our, our mind on the actual talk, you know, then this is fine. Um, do that, do, you know, do whatever, you, do whatever you can that you find makes the mind concentrated the, e- concentrated the easiest. Uh, a lot of the times you'll find if you are, if you are doing that and just just following the words and following the sounds, um, a lot of times the mind can become very peaceful just from just from following the sounds of the words. And so even though you're listening to the talk, when the talk actually finishes, it's, you can't remember a word of what's been said or what the talk was about. But that you know that doesn't matter if the mind is concentrated and calm at that point in time. Then th- you know this is fine. This you've you've attained the goal of what listening to a Dhamma talk is about anyway. You know, you, this, is, this is also good in another way that, you know, you can, just, you can just see the sound come into your ear and it just arises and passes away. You see this, this point of contact, how it, how it, you know, it just arises and passes away all the time. So, so to listen to a Dhamma talk in this way is correct as well. So there's no need, there's no need to worry about just specifically following the breath while you're listening to a talk. One last question. So, the, the question was: the question was, would would, would the Ajahn 
would Tanajan please have the kindness to explain uh, the path to the whole path to, for one to become from an unenlightened being to become to become an enlightened being to become a sotapanna and to do it within ten minutes and he's done well he explained it in five so I got another five to translate <laughs> so. so what the the meaning of a sotapanna is a sotapanna is the first level of enlightenment uh, sota means is it means to to go into the stream. So a sotapanna means to go into the stream of the Dhamma. And so the, the, the way that we do this, the way that we do this is to develop the things I've been talking about already, is to develop dana, to develop charitable giving, keep the five precepts very, very, very diligently and very strongly. What you'll notice will happen when you do these good wholesome things, you know, there are times when, when people do see you doing good wholesome things and... You know, they decide. You know, they, they don't. They don't like you, and they don't like the things you do, and they decide to to offend you and say bad things to you about these uh, about these things that you're trying to do. And you know, obviously, these these things. When when we hear these things, other people say to us, this does make us angry. Um, it brings up negative emotions in the mind. Um, so what you what you have to do is is to work on on practicing. To develop this uh, ability to let go, and although although we still are experiencing these negative emotions, the most important thing is to develop patience, um, and to practice practice metta, to, have, to practice having loving kindness. So when when people do say these bad things about us, just keep patient. Don't say anything to them. Don't do anything to them. Just try to develop this, this sense of loving kindness within the mind. First you do it towards yourself, then you do it towards those that you love uh, and those that are close to you. Do it to those that you feel neutral and impartial to. And eventually when the mind has a lot more strength, even those people that you don't like and that, that, that abuse you or whatever, you'll be able to have loving kindness to those people. Um, so, you know... As I, as I said, even even though these people say these things to you and these you know negative emotions come up in your mind, a lot of times it's it's hard to control it and to keep the mind in a good wholesome state. So just be patient at this at this time. Don't let don't let uh, these negative emotions spill out into from your mind, spill out into your speech or into your bodily actions. And when you do this over time, you'll you'll be able to understand uh, this process of what we call Kanti, which is patient endurance, you'll see how this this is the the one aspect that really that really burns away the negative defilements within our own mind. So have so the more we have this patience, the more we have Kanti, the the easier it will be for us to develop mindfulness and to develop uh, calm and concentration in the mind. It'll gradually get better with time because we we're, we're just patiently enduring these things. When mindfulness becomes continuous and it becomes stronger, we start to see the truth of our lives, that we've been born into this world, we uh, came in, we were a baby, we grew up, eventually we'll get older and we've, eventually we have, to, you know, we have to die, we have to pass away from this world. And so when we start to see this, we'll start to understand, you know, well, why, why should I get angry at someone else? Uh, why should I have, hold negative emotion, hold grudges towards other people? 
you'll see that we're all in the same boat. We're all subject to birth, ageing, sickness and death. Every one of us is subject to these things. So why, you know, why hold negative emotions towards my fellow human beings? When, when the mind is this strong, you'll, you'll start to become determined not to get angry at people and not to let your mind strain to these negative emotions. And you'll be able to do this a lot more continually and a lot, a lot more easily. You can, at times, you know, on on the weekend when you're not working, or on the on the observance day, you can you can try to intensify your practice a lot more by maybe keeping the eight moral precepts and practicing uh, more meditation. But what you have to do, the most important thing, is to keep your practice continuous, like every day, do your chanting every day, practice meditation every day. You know, try to, you know, listen to talks, Dhamma talks as much as you can, read Dhamma books, you know, you can, you can get that input of good information. This is, this is a very helpful thing as well. Obviously, initially at the start, this is just knowledge that you're going to have. It's just, it's like an intellectual knowledge. It's not a deep, profound understanding of the Dhamma, but it's, it's a good start. It's laying a good foundation. When, when the mind does develop more power, it will be able, it will be easier for it to see, to see into the truth because one does have that good foundation there. Eventually, the more one does this and practices on a continuous daily basis, one day the mind will eventually gather together into samadhi, into calm and concentration. But at first, obviously, we have to study the Dharma, um, we have to uh, read books and things like that. But the, the most important thing that, you know, in our, in our practice of studying, you could say, is to, is to listen to, to good teachers, what we call the Kubarajans. Um, in Thailand, we, you know, we're very lucky. There's many, many good Kubarajans. They're very good teachers. But here, you know, don't, don't feel bad that you're in a different country because you have Tanjokul Mahasamai here. He's a very, very good teacher and his advice is very, very sound, very solid. So... Now, you sh- whatever he whatever he teaches and the pra- path of practice, you know, listen to that and practice according to what he says. And also, you, now you even have an even better opportunity to practice because there's the new monastery, Bodhisattva, very quiet, n- nice place to practice meditation. So you can use that opportunity to develop your meditation as much as you can. So when we when we do practice more, we develop more conviction and more faith in ourselves, and we want to practice more. And the more we practice, the more we'll see that the, the Kulbarajans, these great teachers, they're teaching the right path and we'll want to follow it more and more. The mind will start to become firmer and firmer the more that we follow the path of, of, these, of the Kulbarajans. But in the start, obviously, it's, it's hard to gain calm and concentration within the mind. So we, and sometimes we may even think that it's, it's just appropriate just for us to just think about the Dharma and just for us to investigate you know, the mind and try to break through the Dharma just by, just by looking at the mind. But, you know, don't believe yourself at that point in time. Don't try to just, to just to investigate the mind. Your mind isn't strong enough yet to do that. You need to learn how to, at the first initial level, you really need to learn how to investigate the body and to truly clearly see the body first and to develop calm in the mind. When... Because when the mind becomes strong and it becomes solid in this foundation within the body, it, it, it gives it strength and it will be easy for, it, easy for the mind to eventually see clearly into all phenomena. So all of you now, you know, you have to work, you have to uh, carry out your lives, but 
and you may only have a little time to practice, but whatever free time you have, use that time to get away to quiet places and to practice and to do as much as you can. And one day you'll eventually see the Dhamma. You know, to summarise, the, the, probably the most easy, the most easiest way to, to to say that you know, one for one to see the Dharma is, and, and Ajahn Chah would say this all the time. You know, the most direct path to seeing the Dharma is uh, not to be caught into liking or disliking within the mind, and to keep the mind equanimous and centred at all time. And if if one keeps one's mind equanimous and centred at all time, you'll eventually see the Dharma.